Welcome back, everyone, to the OGs. I am Don Povia, joined once again by Kyle Bunch. We are in Christmas week and New Year's week and coming out of Hanukkah week. Uh, happy holidays, Kyle. Happy holidays. Uh, yeah, yeah, here we go. Final home stretch. Staying on schedule, too. We're, uh, we're, we're, we're getting this one in. Yep, yep. Got to, uh, got to keep it going, you know. Got to uh, build a habit, I think. Look- a little Christmas more. habit, a little Christmas present for everybody out there. Uh, <laughs> and that mustache, I'm going to bring it up again. Looking good. Yeah. It's really filling in. I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. This, this lip sweater just in time for a cold front. Uh, yeah, it's, we'll see. We'll see if uh, I wake up Christmas morning to having Santa mom have shaved it off. That might be the gift that she's looking for under the Christmas tree. So we'll, uh, see. we'll see if it makes it through. Yeah, I get threatened by four women in my house anytime I have something that remotely <laughs> looks like that. So, yeah, that would be a nice little present. Uh, I think you guys hear another voice in there. That is our right. guest this week. Uh, joining us is is an old friend, uh, Blogs with Balls, one uh, panelist, and and we knew him certainly uh, sometime before that. Uh, great guy. Uh, Matt Cerrone from the Mets blog, which is where probably people know him. All the Mets Twitter out there. Hello, hopefully you're all you're all listening to us. But Matt, thanks for joining us, man. You got it, guys. I uh, I'm honored actually to be uh, uh, you know a standing dinosaur <laughs> to uh, to join you guys. That's that's how it feels sometimes. I'm sure you can relate. It, we absolutely can relate, and I I think that. The funny thing is, as Kyle and I have been kind of joking about this all the time, is like it is the OGs. We are the old guys here. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, thanks for for still being here. I should say, um, <laughs> you got it. You know, going going back then um, when you heard we were doing this thing in your backyard, uh, New York guy covering covering the Mets. Um, you know, kind of what was your impression of of those early Wild West days for a guy that was pretty successful as an independent? You know, I've been thinking a lot about it. Um, the last year without baseball has been rather eye-opening. And, you know, it's been a long uh, few years for me, actually, personally, mentally, everything else, which I'm more than happy to, to talk about, probably more towards the end of this story. But when I look back, I realize I think part of what has been a bit of a struggle over the last few years is that when this all started way back when, it was just about blogging. You know, like it was just writing and enjoying. And in fact, when I started Mets blog, which was in 2003, it was just text on a white page. Like it was Yahoo GeoCities, like literally nothing blog about it. And, you know, it the medium kind of grew along and I learned CSS and how to put a blog together and permalinks and SEO and all that stuff, you know, figured along the way. And that I enjoyed it was as the business kind of grew up around it and monetizing and, you know, how social factored in. And, you know, I got involved with SNY and, and the business side of that and trying to grow and grow. And I realized a little bit, not, not too many years ago, that's not the shit that I like. Like I liked the ground floor and the hustle and the, the build and all that stuff. And I think it created a bit of a disconnect for me. And so when I think back to those days, you know, it was just about the work. Like it was just about writing, you know, for me personally, and I know this is different for for some people, but for me personally, it was just about writing and connecting one-on-one to an extent with fans. Um, I mean, even early on, I used to write it like I was some kind of media organization, you know, Mets blog has heard. And, you know, it wasn't until a few years later that I put my name on the site in my face and started taking kind of taking ownership of it. And it was Matthew Cerrone's Mets blog and so many different iterations. I know you guys can understand that. Um, and it's just, I kind of miss that to an extent. I think like anybody, you know, you get married or you're dating and you live in a small apartment and now you have a family in a big house and you look back at those apartment days and you're like, yeah, I kind of miss the nostalgia of that. You never really go back to it, but you miss it. There's a place for it. And I think that's kind of like the way I look at it now. I'm sure you guys can relate. Yeah, no, definitely. I feel like, it makes me think of something as you're talking about it. There was this personality driven. That was a lot of what people talked about that, you know, where sports writing had been kind of most writers taking themselves out of the story. You know, there'd be a little bit of opinion writing that did more of it. And that was what felt original was that you could put yourself more in the story. Like you're saying, you could kind of, it could be in your voice. 
and not to jump all around to, to fast forward, uh, we'll stay on this, but, but just at some point, I almost wonder how much everything became personality first and sort of topic and substance less. And, and, uh, you know, to, to where we are today of like building a giant influencer brand where you don't, you're just kind of, kind of jumping in on a lot of different things. You've got clearly something you stand for, but it's more about you than it is about the topic. I, you know, I'd be curious as you, as you got further in and having been at it so long, how you felt that pressure or what that did to the process. I, I didn't feel pressure from it. It was actually very natural. Um, you know, I think of anything that was pushed back from um, the older guard, you know, even still, like when I read something like, you know, the daily news has learned or the, you know, S and Y reports, it's like, that just seems so silly to me. And I, I understand like why they do it to a certain extent, but like, you know, someone is reporting that, you know, like, it's just a strange, the language is always strange to me. Um, and the personality side of it, I think what people missed in that sort of transitional point, it's like right before Twitter, because that really sort of emboldened the personality aspect, right? Everybody had a profile and there were followers and you could see that, that connection very public. Prior to that, it, it wasn't, I think, as prolific and so that influencer individual really was on the blog and there was a very one-on-one, -on -one. you know, I think about like on radio, cause I would feel this way. Like if I met Mike Francesa, the one time I did, I remember thinking to myself, what people often said to me, fans would say to me, I feel like I know you, you know, because I'm listening to him all day long. You get that relationship in your head. It was the same thing with writing. Like people knew us from this, you know, one-on-one, -on -one. they would log on, they would read the, the dialogue. It was a very personal one-on-one -on -one thing. And I would meet fans and they would talk, you know, like we were best friends, you know, like as if I knew everything about them, because in some ways they knew everything about me. That was a weird relationship. Um, if anything, it was odd and strange to get used to in person, but on the computer, it never really felt like pressure or anything. It was like just what you do. And like, in some ways I felt like that was really part of the writing style that helped make Mets blog successful. It was like, I always felt like I was writing to one person. I never took the, you know, us as fans or, you know, you guys, or what, it was very much you and me. I feel this way. You know, how do you feel? You know, we, this, like it was, I, I felt like that dynamic was important because I knew as a reader, you know, things that I read that resonated that way um, made sense. So like that writing style, I think helped that too, to really sort of plant the point I'm making is it helps plant that one-on-one -on -one personal brand, personal connection, whatever it all morphed into. And that's the really interesting part is like, you think about the early days, how it was just kind of natural. And then over the years, it became branding and, you know, all these buzzwords and how you made money from it and influencer and all these terms that weren't even part of the lexicon let alone, you know, something that was conscious. So it's, it's, it's interesting to go back and realize we were doing a lot of these things. We just didn't know what we were doing, <laughs> what it could be. We, right. You know, we, we always talked with, uh, you know, a couple of the guests already about what you would have done different, or you have all these tools at your disposal now. But I mean, thinking about 2003, you know, now you can go out and find fans, but back then fans had to find you, right? Mm -hmm. How did fans start finding you? What was that you know, tipping point where you saw the, uh, the, the quantity start pick up in terms of, of following, uh, as you described that you're able to build these sort of personal relationships. Cause again, even just trying to think back to like, how the hell did we do that? I don't even recall. You know, um, you know yeah. Um, talk, talk to us about that. I mean, you really had to build an audience and you built it to the point and you mentioned SNY, we'll get into that where you, you built something of real value with your face, your name, and your personality that you just described? Well, it's interesting. I had a few advantages that I don't think most people had, that I don't think most people were aware of, which was I came from what I had been doing while I started Metzbog. I started it when I was in college down in Maryland. Um, prior to that, I had been working for, as an intern, thank God this guy hired me, um, as an intern to work for a, a little media relations company. It was actually just he and I. Um, and this guy had an amazing career, this guy, Gary Stromberg, who if you looked him up on the internet, you, you wouldn't believe the things he started. He was really the 
at the forefront of public relation public relations in the music industry back in like the 60s and 70s and so i had worked for him and he showed me all about you know copywriting and pitching the media and how to use bacon's media source and all these things i never would have known he let me work from home uh, when we went down to Maryland and helped kind of find clients. And what ended up happening was I took this project from school, kept writing it. And as it started to grow and I started to see the impact, you know, you get sight meter. If you remember that little button that you'd put on the bottom of the blog, I started seeing people, <laughs> I know, right? It's funny when you remember back and like, you'd see the pages and like, shit, people are reading. I would then start to use all those media relations tools and knowledge that I had to then reach out to the local reporters, to reach out to all those people and introduce them to the site, ask for advice. How can I help you? Um, you know, I would say there was actually one holiday season that I got from, I can't remember the company, but got Christmas cards, little thank you notes and mail them out to all the reporters and all the people that worked at the Mets just to do it. Um, you know, I remember going to games and, printing up on Moo cards when those first things first started and leaving them literally printing like 10,000 of them and going to Shea Stadium and putting them in car windows and leaving them in, in the parking lot. I'd go in cabs and leave them in the cabs in New York City. It's all just ways to kind of spread the word. And apparently that, I assume, helped. Like You don't really know like anything. Um, you know, and it's, so it makes me laugh because it's sort of like that old school marketing media approach that helped build a new school thing. And like, I don't even know that those tactics would work now. They probably would actually, frankly. Um, here's another secret story I don't talk about very much, but actually stole while I was doing an internship at MLB.com in 2005. I stole the MLB directory. They had like a notebook that I swiped. I took it home and photocopied all the pages of all the people that worked in the league so I could contact them and let them know this is what I'm doing. And it's a very strange way to build an audience, but like, that's what you had to do. Like to me, that was hustle. Like I know the Gary V stuff and the work hard and the late nights, but sometimes you got to like legit hustle, <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's a different word. God, so you're, throwing, like, you know, you're throwing things out there like site meter and moo cards that are really giving yeah. me, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's just friendly flashbacks or PTSD, but was, man, yeah. I, re I remember those days, man. Yeah. That site meter always gave you that holy shit day that you'd have too, because you wouldn't yeah. know like what hit, but when it hit, you'd just see the site meter and then you'd have to say, where are these links coming from? Because it had to be coming from somewhere. And then you go to your site meter, you check it, it out. It created a motivation too, because there was a while where like SB Nation before they were, you know, what they are, uh, when Tyler had started just Athletics Nation and then started to build the other sites, they had their site meter on the bottom public also. So like you can load these other sites up and compare and be like, shit, how did, you know, especially for a Mets thing, like how did Amazing Avenue get this many clicks? And I only got this, like, fascinating little product that's completely irrelevant now going going back to like because 2003 is a point when you know i was you were a everybody was a bit of a tinker then right like there was definitely not a oh i'm gonna go do this as a huge business yet or it was you know the path to making it a, a life thing i mean when would you say the inversion came from you know i'm guessing probably something that was as much for you in those early days as much just sort of a you know sharpening the tool being able to have a place to write to for an audience, for a business? Like what, when do you, do you remember a distinct moment? Yeah. So in, I feel like when it, man, it is such a blur too. It's funny. I'm working on actually, I got pitched a book and so I'm trying to figure out, I'm, I'm still, I'm working on actually going through all these memories. So this is actually perfect timing. Um, I don't know about, I, I feel like that was around the time I got engaged, which I think you guys can understand. Cause it was like, okay, I've been doing this thing, making eh, a little bit of money and it was nice, but now it's time to like, you know, grow up, so to speak, right? Like we want to buy a house. So I was at this point, and I want to say it was like 05, 06, where uh, the Mets launched SNY and they had an awesome season and things were really at a, uh, I felt like at a peak in terms of my individual, my independence running the site. And it was, we were, I was doing really good numbers and things were, doing well, media attention was good, you know, everything felt right, but income-wise, it just wasn't going to be enough. So I started looking for other work. Um, and again, using my media relations and just the popularity of the site and the momentum, I actually was offered a 
kind of a staffer, media staffer position on a gubernatorial campaign in Connecticut that I felt like, all right, you know, I love politics. You know, it's probably my biggest hobby, so to speak, is is looking into and reading, you know, political coverage and following that strategy, even still. And I was going to make that switch. And my family, which is typically very conservative when it comes to risk aversion and stuff, were like, oh, no, you got to stick with Metzblog. Like, you've got this opportunity. You can't waste it. Like, this is like, you, you know, you don't usually come across something like this. Like, just give it another couple of years. My wife was the same way, or fiance at the time. And that was the RSNY launched. I had approached them, my pitch being, you guys have a, you know, access to the team, but no audience. I've got the opposite. I cannot make a dent. Like I know some people and they're doing me favors, um, but I'm not getting credentials. I'm not able to take that next step, but I've got an audience. Let's figure this out. And it took a year, but we finally figured out a partnership. And that was probably, you know, that, that flip, you know, that was the other side of the mountain that then became, you know, this other career, so to speak. Prior to that, it was just this thing that was working and that I was enjoying was a hobby that was successful. But then that's when it probably became more of a career. Uh, So, so, and I think kind of following up on that, and just hearing you kind of describe these things along the way that I, I, you know, going back, I remember a lot of people looking up with sort of admiration slash sort of, you know, like how, how has this guy done what nobody else could? You talk about access. Like that was something that we focused on heavily in those early days. Yeah. Like, how do you break through? How do you get that kind of access or the dead spin perspective of like, screw that. You don't want that access. So I'm curious, actually, how many people, I'm sure countless people came up to you asking about how do you kind of do that, you know, <laughs> you know, or maybe not countless, I, you know, I, it was a small community back then, but, but any memories of people approaching you, anybody that you oh. look back on and say like, oh, wow, they, they took that advice. They ran with it. Look what they did. Or, you know, how, yeah, how, you, you were sort of the proto breakthrough in that sense. I mean, you know. Well, from a team perspective, I feel like there were plenty of people prior that were, you know, for the league, they would get a league pass. Baseball was unique in the sense that it was still done specifically through the team. Uh, The league had nothing to do with it. They now do. But and that was only recently. But at the time, it was done through the team specifically and really through one person, like the head of the PR department. That was it. So, like, you know, for the Mets, it was Jay Horowitz, who God bless him. You know, I mean, he didn't know. He thought I was the Internet for the longest time. Like, and this is no joke. Like other people would write stuff and he'd call me complaining, you know, like, Jay, I I don't know this person or this site. I, I have no idea. Yeah, but you blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Jay, I am not the Internet. I don't know what to tell you, you know. Um, I, don't, I don't care what else you say. That that story just made oh, it. Oh, it's great. I mean, that, listen, God, that didn't happen once. That happened countless times. Because, well, that's that's why it's so funny because it's so relatable because I feel like that was uh, the perception and the mentality of a lot of people. Oh, so trying to get press credentials, my position from this guy was like, this is never going to happen. So I had Bob Clappish, who, God bless him, you know, thankfully took an interest in the site and was interested in it and uh, from a, not just from a technology point of view or a burgeoning, you know, uh, style, but I think we connected. I loved his writing style and we clicked. He would advocate for me, uh, Shannon Ford or or Shannon Dalton, but she has since passed away, but she was a huge help. Um, she was Jay's like number two, totally understood. She wanted to learn from me about what was going on you know, I needed her help and she would send me like, you know, the media guide and push to try to get, you know, guest credentials and things. But really it wasn't until I got in with SNY that they, um, you know, that they took me seriously, which, you know, given the Mets and given Jay and that makes total sense to me why, why that was, um, you know, so it was really threading the needle and just creating the opportunity. And that's anytime anybody asked me for advice, I would say to them, know the organization, learn the people, network. Like there's no playbook. I, I feel like every team, every league is going to be different. You know, that was always the advice, which sounds like bullshit and sounded like I was passing the. But if you guys would, I mean, if you guys know, like you remember, like that was the truth. Like this wasn't like some, you know, 
oh, you're going to go and do this and write this way and get this audience and get press credentials. Like it, maybe now, I don't even know, but back then that was not the case. No, I, I think what's uh, I appreciate the most is that you knew the overarching landscape of both the sport of the media culture and of the fan base. And you're able to pull, it seems, the right levers in the right places to, to be successful. I mean, I, I know you're talking about, about um, you know, kind of pitching. And if I'm going back now, too, I think we started HHR probably at like 06-ish, so yeah, a little yeah. bit after you. But I remember the same thing, right? We were looking at those links, seeing where traffic's coming from. It's like, yeah, we'd love to get uh, – you know, trainer, or we'd love to get Deadspin, or we'd love to get one of the Yahoo guys. But it was like, all right, if I'm doing something on Mike Piazza, who are, you know, what is the amazing abs and the Mets blogs and, you know, those types that I could go to. And I remember just cultivating a spreadsheet of, you know, mm-hmm. links by site and kind of pushing them out. So again, understanding that, yeah, I can get that top down from those big sites, but I can also couple together 10 smaller sites and start, you know, start building something. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Also talking about that that directory, man, I still have, like the NFL has the, the NFL has the black book, the NBA Mm -hmm. has the blue book, right? It's all the same things. It's all the beat writers. It's all the national, you know, pro football writers association of America. And it's kind of building those relationships. And really that's where blogs and balls came from. It was like, we kind of had these relationships amongst each other, amongst, uh, you know, some of the teams, some of the, you know, more mainstream guys like the Neil Best that would show up and and things like that. Um, he was huge. Let me just interrupt. I don't mean to interrupt you, but or come back to Neil Best. No, no, no. about him. Go. No, so, I mean, he, he was just awesome. He was just a good yeah. guy that got it for an older guy, it. too. He's, I mean, he, he must be 20 years older than all of us, like for a guy of that generation that just embraced like what we were doing online. The, you know, people would always ask, Two, two things I always come back to, like, you know, well, how did you do it? Or how can I do it? You know, help me do it. And I, it was, and maybe you can relate to this. I always say, it's like trying to explain to somebody how to surf. Like you can't, like you can't tell somebody what to do. Like you just have to get on the board and kind of feel and figure it out because there's all these variables. And like, I always felt like that was true. Maybe I was, dumbing it down a little bit, or uh, maybe I didn't want to have the conversation, but like, it felt to me like that was true. Like, I don't know how it works. You just do it. The other thing was luck and just the right place, right time opportunity, which is the case with almost everything in life, especially business. And with Neil, it's just weird how things work. He happened to write an article about, about me and Mets by one of his side columns in the paper on the exact day that the media guy from SNY was talking to Fred Wilpon about what I was doing. And the article was on Fred's desk. Like, you know, so the Andrew, the media guy from SNY was able to say like, Oh, well, this is the person we're talking about. And like that gave credibility to this 70, whatever year old guy who has no idea about the internet. Like, Oh, he's in the newspaper. You know, like that matters. Incredible. That's so, like, it just worked. <laughs> like, I know. I, and I, <laughs> right around blogs and blogs one, right? I've been tinkering at this right. thing for a couple of years now, but uh, John Gonzalez from the Philly Inquirer <laughs> quoted hugging Harold Reynolds in the Philly Inquirer, and all of a sudden, my my in laws right. who live down in Philly thought I was I was credible now because it was it was in the newspaper. It didn't matter right. what kind of uh, you Ooh, know what kind of that was in the paper. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, that's great. Like that defeats the whole point here. Like what I'm doing is like not. I don't want that, but okay, like whatever. And so in hindsight, like, it's just weird how that works, you know? And that's not to say that it wouldn't have all played out the same way, but, you know, just the timing and the opportunity of stuff, you know, it's weird how it works. It's hard not to laugh at the, you know, back then. And I was right there. I I still have framed the first time Trojan Wire got profiled in the USA Today. I had to figure out how to like print a USA Today little online thing. But that we were all killing to get into newspapers who um, <laughs> rest in peace newspapers for the most part. And in New York, you guys still have something yeah. like a news media, but versus uh, you're right. Like you kind of hit on it. We were kind of having to sell the internet to the gatekeeper, not, not just yeah. us. I mean, you know, trying to break through as a new voice in sports right hard enough, but we were really having to not just sell blogs as a media, but in a lot of cases, the internet itself as, as a place that sports fans were going to gather this, what there was no streaming. There was no, I mean, it was, begrudgingly putting out things yeah. that, that were flying in the face of existing business models. It's uh, 
Yeah, I, you sort of, I had, a, I guess, one of those PTSD flashbacks of having to sell <laughs> through. And then, of course, you know, we went ahead and made our title blogs with balls and had to go in and try to sell something with balls <laughs> in the title to people. That was also, you know, talking about redoing things about. in retrospect, right? What's funny is that because I was thinking in advance of this, I was thinking about that first blogs with balls. And in some ways, it was the beginning of the end for me. I hate to say <laughs> And here's why because I, watching Gary Vee, and seeing that speech, I think probably hit everybody in the same way, which was like, fuck, I'm missing this opportunity. There's an opportunity here that I need to build on. And I think creating that idea that like, okay, this is great. Mets blogs, you and everything, but it needs to be like wine library. Like it needs to be a stepping stone to something else. And so I spent so much time and Don, you know, cause we had I mean, I, I've lost count. I'm sure you lost count with the amount of conversations we had over the years about what I should do, what I want to do, all these things that never panned out. And I think the reality is that I never really wanted to do any of those things. Like, I, I realize that now, like, that's not, and I mentioned this at the beginning, that's not why I started doing it. And I just don't think it was in my DNA to be that person. Like, I don't, sounds crazy, but I don't love sports enough. Like, I'm not a huge sports fan. I watch the Mets. And I watched MLB because it was part of my job to do it. I'm a Jets fan, unfortunately, but I don't know much else about the NFL. Like I watched the Jets and that's it. Um, I'm not a huge sports fan. So to try and, you know, carve out this sports media, you know, I had an agent at the time that was like, oh, you should be like, you know, the Darren Ravel of like sports media. And this was like 2010, which made sense. Like that would have been great, but you know, I read the articles and have to fake it and realize I don't want to be reading this, but I have to, because this is the opportunity. And I think those five or six years, at least, if not a little bit more of putting that pressure on, I got to do, it's my only option. I don't have a college degree. My only bones are having built Mets blog. I have to turn this into something. The clock is ticking. The industry's changing. And little by little realizing, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Like, I don't have the knowledge to sit in the meeting and have this kind of consultation and, and be, you know, have a consulting business and do all this stuff, which I envy Don and everybody else that's been able to go on to do that. And I felt the pressure that I had to do it and didn't really, I think, want to. I mean, I just don't care enough to learn about what's going on. You know, like even still, like I see these art, like job descriptions of things that I should do that like my resume says I should do. And I read the description. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, I don't even know half the stuff in this description and worse or more important, I guess. I don't really want to learn it. Like, it's just not in me. So, you know, it took me a couple of years, but between being, you know, essentially an alcoholic and like drinking myself almost to death. And just not being able to handle that pressure, realizing like through therapy and everything else that like, this is just not who I am. Like I liked writing about the Mets. That's it. (laughs) I like being a Mets blogger. And, you know, I'd go back to doing that if I could, you know, family and everything else kind of hard to dedicate that kind of time. But if I could, you know, do that, that's what I would do. I enjoyed writing and talking about the Mets, the end, the rest of it in hindsight, I realized was just what I felt like I should do. And it never really, I think, was what I wanted to do. And I think that's why there was never any momentum. So I remember, you know, it's these conversations not all that long ago. And I think it's really before you got sober. Um, Cause mm-hmm. I remember, I think we had a beer and a burger yep. um, talking about it. And it, and it, oh, and I, and I know that, and I know that feeling too, of always like, what do I do? How do I leverage this? What should I do? Where should I go? And, and kind of following those passions. Um, and, and you're always talking about the consulting and that Gary V analogy, I think kind of, you know, that's the mentality right there. Um, but, you know, back to, to Wilpon and, and SNY, seemingly that would be a good landing spot for you, for a guy that wants to cover the Mets, being there, <clears throat> dabbling a little bit on the business side of it. Certainly, um, you know, when we were looking at it from the outside, as Kyle uh, mentioned, you know, how do you do that? It's like, oh, wow, like he must have hit a payday, right? He's, he's with TV now. Um, you know, what were the terms of that? And was that what you expected? And I would say what we're talking about now is, is, is that what you wanted or thought you wanted? Well, 
you mentioned the name Wilpon. And there was a curse and a blessing because the, 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 I'm sorry, is the cursing okay? I can't, it's, I never know. Okay. The fucking circus that that family created in that franchise and organization in some ways, I think helped the, uh, create the success of Metzbog because it was so ridiculous and there was never a shortage of just crazy shit to write about and react to. I mean, I can remember like 2014, 15, maybe even before that, in a meeting with the, you know, our team that we would, you know, it was the digital team saying, do we even need to cover the games? Like no one gives a shit whether they won or lost. Like you see that on TV, you watch the game, you know, they won or lost. People only seem to care about the circus around it. You know, the information, the rumors, the hope, the silliness, the controversy, Bobby Bonilla Day, you know, all those kind of things. That was all because of that family. I mean, you know, just the, the decisions. And on the other hand, to move up the ladder, that's who you'd be working for. And it just, I couldn't handle that. And then little by little, realizing that I don't want to run a TV network. Like, I don't want to be in the business of television. That's not even in the ballpark of why I started this. So that rules that out. I don't want to work for the Mets. So that rules that out. And I'm not particularly good on television. And, you know, I don't, Ted Berg and I used to talk about this all the time. Like we don't jive with what the expectations are of TV. I can remember he and I both going to be on air. There's they're like six o'clock debate show. And they're like, well, you have to take this position. Like, but yeah, but I don't agree with that. Like I agree with what this other box, this other talking head is saying. Like, how come I can't agree? Oh no, that's not good TV. You can't do that. Like, okay, then this isn't going to work. You know, like my whole life, my whole career here is built on authenticity and being honest and being ignorant to a certain extent. And you're not going to let me do that. Like, so now TV's out of the way. So now what? <laughs> you know, so it's, yeah, it was, it was, I understand what people saw and what the expectations were. And I think that gets back to the other point was I started to put those expectations on myself and they just never had traction. And I think ultimately it's because I just didn't want to do it. Like, it's like you put yourself in a, you put yourself in a box with the situation that, yeah, you know, which you thought was like, this is the way to go. This seems like a good right. move. But and then, and then you're you in that box and it's like, well, now what do I do? Because I've spent, you know, yeah. almost a dozen years doing building this. And now how do mm -hmm. I, where do I go from here? Well, and, and people and are proud. You also made it your job was your passion right so now all of a sudden you can't even relax and watch a Mets game because it's it's tied to you know your your life that's a whole other thing everything yeah. yeah yeah that's a whole other thing I mean I, that that started I don't know when probably 14 15 you know spring trainings which I love that was literally the favorite part and that's what I'll miss the most because it was so um pure um you know, I think it was during that that I realized, wow, I love this so much. God, I don't want the season to start. You know, and it was like feeling that that started to make me realize, well, wait a minute. That's not how this should be. You know, obviously the purity and the simple, you know, of the writing about the game and, you know, the talent and all that stuff and photography in particular, which I really, really enjoy. Um you know, that's what I loved. That's what I enjoyed. And then that goes away. And then the circus starts, you know, and it becomes less about the game. And there's a detachment from that. And it's just exhausting. You see behind the curtain enough that, you know, you see how the sausage is made. And then suddenly you're like, I don't want to eat this anymore, <laughs> you know, and it does take that away. Um, you know, and then this past summer was very impactful because you realize, wow, this is kind of nice to not have to know. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's not that you didn't know. It's just, I didn't have to know what was going on because there's nothing to know. And that was a nice feeling, you know? And so like, it's, it sounds shitty. And, and I feel terrible saying this. And I know you guys probably can understand because there's people watching and listening that are probably like, well, that's a bunch of horseshit. Like you're so lucky to have been in that position. And you, you're, you, you know, you blew it. It's not that. It's just, it's like anything else. You just move on. 
You know, it's not like I'm saying this stuff in 2009. You know, it's now 45 with a family and there's a whole bunch of other things going on. We, I, I mean, essentially with SNY, they rehired or they replaced a whole bunch of people. I mean, everybody from our original team, probably wisely in hindsight, brought in a lot of younger people. And I think everybody expected me to like butt heads with them. But, you know, that was me, right? Like I'm the dinosaur. I'm the guy that, you know, gets pushed out. I'm Marty Noble, you, you know, like in their eyes. And that's how it works. So why would I be upset about that? Like I did it to them. Why would I be upset if someone's doing it to me? You just move on, you know? And like, it's not wasting the opportunity. It's just knowing the reality around you, I think. Did you see that rate of change and and the cycles? And, you know, I, I feel like we talked about you know, newspapers, TV, and me, just the change. Was it one big changing of the guard or did you, with passing years, start to feel more and more of the things are changing fast and I'm not sure how much I care to continue to evolve in this, this rate, which is, and I say that just having felt that myself and leading young social teams and feeling like I could keep pace with Snapchat was probably my last moment where I was like, <laughs> I kind of get it. I'm, I'm not going to be on there a ton, but I, I get it. And then, you know, now we fall into a world of TikTok and things that I'm, you know, feel completely on the outside looking in on. Right. Um, I don't know. I feel like it was a slow evolution uh, that culminated for me. Um, I, like I mentioned, just alcohol, um, depression, which I've come to learn is more bipolar and, you know, just a complete implosion. Um, was, and that, was that professional related? Did you feel, did it have to do with work or? Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things, um, transitionally, it's always difficult. Um, but, um, yeah, I think professionally that was the, cause you know, I had been slowly stepping back and spending more time to work at home and, and thinking in that process, I'd be able to build some of these things that I thought I should. And when that wasn't happening and my income was going down and by my own doing and girls, my girls are growing up and there's just collision of stuff that I'm trying to numb the frustration and stress and pressure um, to the point where it was just way too much. And I'm not, you know, I'm keeping it a secret and not talking about it. And it's just festering and I'm getting angry because, you know, these things aren't playing out the way I hoped or felt like they should. That's really the key. Um, I just didn't want to be here anymore. Like I just couldn't take it. And thankfully, you know, my wife was understanding and I had a very um, proactive and um, intelligent uh, therapist who knew me well made a whole bunch of changes. I didn't go to AA or do anything like that. Like I just, I think the fear of knowing if that continued, you know, what would happen. Uh, plus a switch of medication that really I couldn't drink with it at all. Like it would be fatal. Um, you know, I think all of that and knowing how I was reacting to my kids and just all these things that just came together. And I think it's, you know, since then it's been, you know, and I've had my ups and downs and depression and feelings, but like the freedom from the sports media world has made probably the biggest difference of it all. I mean, just not having the admitting to myself that I'm not going to do that. It's not going to, not even because I can't, but because I don't want to, um, has probably made the biggest difference of all. So what has, Sorry, that was pretty heavy. No, no. I mean, <laughs> and honestly, I think uh, I can relate to, you know, a lot of that and the bits and pieces and having to be this sort of self-employed, self-made and, and just grow, grow, grow. And that pressure that comes on it. And I'm sure a lot of people, and especially guys like us that have done this, that have created that, you know, have wanted it so bad, um, you know, kind of coming out and you getting the help professionally, then like, where do you turn? Because again, you're still in that <laughs> same position where, Hey, uh, yeah, I got to make something. I got to do something. I've had this skill set. I've had this experience. Am I limited? Did I box myself in? So now once you've gotten that sort of physical, that mental, that support and, and gotten together that way, um, what have you gone or where are you trying to go to take this so that you don't fall back into it? I don't know. 
And that has really been, um, and I don't know if this past year with COVID and everything has been a, uh, is, is helped or made it worse. I'm not entirely sure, but um, I don't really know. And I think that's part of it. I mean, I just recently tried to start doing some Mets videos just to almost like a trial balloon, just to kind of throw it up there and see. And the response is terrific. Like people are excited. Oh, I'm glad you're back involved. And then, and this is the, just the truth. I realize I don't know who the fuck any of these people are. Like I'm looking at the 52. I looked at the last 52 baseball players mentioned on MLB trade rumors. I knew 11 of them. Like the Mets signed uh, James McCann. And my first thought was when I saw McCann, I was like, I thought Brian McCann retired. <laughs> Why are they giving a four? Like I had to reconnect to it because it's just been the, the, the disconnection happened. And then not having anything this past year to have to think about it. I mean, the removal was immense. So then it got me thinking, well, okay, why deny that? Like maybe the content play is the ignorance and trying to reconnect and understand it, you know? And then I think part of it is actually what we're doing here, kind of talking about the stories and the experiences and the ups and downs and the behind the scenes, you know, randomly going to dinner with David Wright one night for hibachi just because we happen to be at the same restaurant. And like, that's how my relationship with him got formed. And, you know, there's conversations with Will Pond sitting down trying to explain the internet and those things and, and just the impact of the industry and all that kind of stuff. Like maybe it's little bits and pieces of those stories and what it's done to me with my marriage and my family. And Oh, by the way, the Mets did this. Oh, cool. Let me get somebody on the phone and learn about who the hell this guy is and how it helps the team. And like, maybe there's some, and even if it doesn't, if no one's watching, who cares? Like it might just be good therapeutically just to get it out there and talk, you know, and that gets back to where we were in the beginning, you know, like just do it. But people are listening or watching, who cares? Because I know you can understand this. Every idea over the past 10 years, it always was, well, this is a good idea, but how do we build? Who's going to watch? How do we market? How does this, et cetera, et cetera. And like, that's where you get stunted a lot of times. You know, the, if you remember the beginning, it was just, let's, I just want to (laughs) write, you know? And so like, maybe that's the answer. Professionally though, I think I want to do more in mental health. Obviously, just based on the way I'm talking, probably could figure that out. Um, but I don't know what that means. So it's a bit of a crossroads, to say the least. No, I, I, A, you know, thank you for being as candid. I think, you know, Don said it. I mean, I've, I've certainly dealt with a lot of the same challenges and realizations along the way, things where you're kind of trying to figure out all the other things you can change and you realize it's, you're the common factor and things that you're not. <laughs> reckoning with or the common not you can't keep blaming everybody else when it's your one thread but it you know it dawns on me the the two things that kind of come together we talked about the pace of things in the early days right you write something a day later your site meter would spike it would kind of you know it was this it was a slower burn I can remember though brief moments of like somebody would call me out in a negative way and I'd rush home from some night out with my my then girlfriend now wife to like respond or to deal with oh god this could tear everything down but point being that speed just accelerated and kept accelerating and I think you know you talk about that coupled with then I mean just the reality of the ups and downs of of sport and of you know the spring training and these highs and you know having dealt with quite quite similarly, some of the sort of depression that was probably more has been found to be more bipolar oriented. There's just a lot about it from the internet itself. And the like, it's so easy to chase the dopamine hit of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of, of, of a retweet of putting things out there. And I, I guess I'm just sort of saying as yeah. much as anything, how much I identify with it, but, but, uh, you know, I think part of it, I guess, is leading around to the is there a moment, are we entering a moment where I don't want to say everything slows down, but where there's more media, more places where the longer form or the things that aren't necessarily, that have maybe a little bit more of a shelf life can live versus so long where, I mean, we got to a place where the average story was disposable in 30 minutes and you were just, you're, you're racing and chained to that desk and chained to that. So, you know, I'm curious as you think about it, how much you've, you've felt and I'll just say like, I'll shut up and actually ask a question, but that relief, it's weird. I haven't heard people talk about as much, but the relief this summer of having a break from having to think about sport for a little bit was sort of weirdly nice. As much as we, there was 
you wanted the distraction and at the same time it was like mm-hmm. let me just use netflix as a distraction for a bit you know um yeah yeah it was, it, it was a relief it was also kind of eye-opening um as sort of a practitioner and a consumer so i think what also happened over the course of this summer for me was that i started consuming for joy and for education um, entertainment reasons, other things besides sports. I think my consumption of sports over the last five years, at least was because I had to know, like I, you know, whether I liked it or not, I had to know I was supposed to be this fan expert. And I, so, you know, there's only so much time in the day. So, you know, not having, I think replacing all that with reading about politics, reading about, you know, watching Joe Rogan. I never listened to his podcast until this summer. It's the best fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. And I know that I'm not alone in that. Like, but, you know, just hearing all these other things and experiencing YouTube, subscribing to videos on YouTube. I I use YouTube now, probably 80% of my news comes in some way, shape or form from YouTube. Never used it very much before. Always just looked at it as a way to market and publish. But experiencing these things on the consumer side is actually really educational um, and something I probably should have been doing a lot more previously. Um, So yeah, it was a relief, but also an opportunity, um, which I found really interesting. Um, I don't remember the question. I I, I feel like there wasn't one and you were polite (laughs) enough to just jump in and stop me from rambling further, though I, I do have one now, which is you know, everybody we've had on, we've talked a bit about advice and, oh yeah, if you were coming up now and, you know, we get into like, oh, start a sub stack or, oh, you know, focus on commerce. Um, And, and, you know, I want to hear that side, but, but also having been through the ups and downs for you, if you were talking to somebody younger advice to your young self, looking at both how to do this in today's landscape, but what to watch out for, what, how would you, how would you look at, here's the opportunities there, but here's what to, you know, avoid or be careful of diving into this. In yeah. You know what? I don't know because I'm not that age and it's just impossible to know. These kids have grown up with this, you know, like there, there are, there is a GM, uh, well, David Stearns, the GM of the Brewers grew up reading Mets blog. I, I responded to an email of his recently that he sent me when he was like 12 or whatever it was you know, asking, how do I get get an internship with the Mets? And so like, once he got the GM job, I responded to that email. I was like, well, apparently you don't uh, need this anymore, but if you really want my advice on how to be an intern, I'm happy to help, (laughs) you know, like that's crazy. So like to, to assume that I know what (laughs) people starting out to do, I think defeats the whole purpose. Um, If that makes any sense in terms of what to avoid, I think you need space. You know, I think that's really important. Like if it's really going to be a career and you're really going to work hard and, and put it, put into it what you want to get out of it, that trying to exist for a long term with that gun to your head, that feeling of news could happen at any minute and you got to constantly be aware of it, um, is there's a psychological term for it. I forget cops deal with it. Teachers deal with it a lot. Hospital people where you're constantly in that fight or flight mentality and you're just constantly trying to be aware and be aware and react and react that when it's time to just go home to your family, you treat them the same way because it's all, you know, at that point. Um, like, so my advice would be if things start to build up momentum and you start to, it's becoming a career and stuff, just make sure that it's not, you know, you're not doing that all the time. Like you got to have some, something else, turn the phone off, do something that is not even sports related. I don't care if you think you're a sports obsessed or whatever, just you gotta, cause you gotta give yourself that space in your brain to not fall into that cycle. Cause eventually it just takes over and you don't even, it, it's just hard to react. Anthony DeRosa, who used to write hot foot for the Mets, if you remember, and he was with, um, did a whole bunch of stuff. Now he's with uh, the wall street journal, which yeah, he did. He he did an event that we did at South by one year. He was yeah, and he's awesome. He's a very good friend of mine. We've always kept in touch. I just talked to him the other day. He's he's great, and um, he's his job is called strategy editor at the at the journal, which I think is a fascinating job title. But at any rate, he experienced the same thing with news way back when before he took the daily news job. He was with Reuters. So that's what it was, and uh, he had said it just he couldn't take it anymore. 
Like it's just, it's constantly in your head going and going and going. And you're just wondering, did, did they make a trade? Did they do this? Did this happen? And then when it does, I got to go and react. Well, I'm at dinner with my wife. Well, now I got to go do this now. It's just, it's a lot. So my advice would be just be aware that that's coming. If that's what you want to do and make sure that you are pacing it properly and giving yourself a little bit of space to survive it. I feel one thing that we hear week after week, and and I, I almost want to wrap it up here because I, I really love how that's kind of brought it up, although I feel like we can keep going. But what I keep hearing from all of our guests, and we started with this and kind of ending with it, is that it, it was a young man's game back then. It's that you could do all those things. You didn't have these other responsibilities. You didn't have the, the, the spouse, and more specifically, you didn't have the kids. And it's just not um, – it wasn't – stop being fun <laughs> at, yeah. at some point because life takes over and describing about not caring about sports or not enjoying sports and having this break. I mean, that's for me, NFL was my thing. Like the Eagles look forward to uh-huh. and yeah, although they suck and in the beginning this year, it just wasn't important to me anymore. And right. I, it's, I stopped being that once a week, 17 weeks a year was all I needed. And that, that kind of gave me my sports fix if I had nothing else and it's gone. And I think the biggest thing is that it's just, we're different than we were. We have different responsibilities. We have different people and different perspectives on things as well. And so I guess lastly with perspective is, I know Kyle mentioned Substacks could those early days at 2003 Mets blog, could that be started today? No, I don't think so. And, and uh, it's not, people get wrapped up in the technology, but I think in the platforms and, and all that stuff, but I think it comes down to why people read, like, why are they doing it? You know? And I think why they were reading then was because there was a lot of information and they couldn't keep up with it. And, you know, they probably didn't know where to find it at that point. Um, and so I, at least in my position was what they, you know, if you remember back then, you were a navigator or aggregator or whatever they wanted to call it. And, you know, there was a role for that. Um, why people read now is, I think, a little bit more I don't know what the term is. You know, I think they want more of the headlines. They want more of these other things. It's not necessarily you know, what we were doing, I think was, was built on. So could you do it again? No, I don't think so. I just think it's a different iteration on different platforms. I don't know if that's your answer, but well, I think that there's that. Room, yeah, no, I was going to say too, is, is that there weren't a lot of places to go if you wanted to get your Mets fix, right? You couldn't yeah, just pop true. onto Twitter. There wasn't the social, there wasn't, you know, all these things there are all these places. There was less competition in a sense because not everybody could do what you were doing. I almost feel like now everybody, you mentioned that fan expert, everybody could be or thinks they are that well, fan that's, expert. that's a good point too. Everyone feels they have to have an opinion, which yeah. is a really weird, you know, it's a weird thing. Um, but, but to that point, you know, that's, so why are people reading then? So you have to factor that in. They're not necessarily reading for opinion then. Maybe they're reading for something else or, you know, I think those things are what I don't understand because like you said, I'm not paying as close attention because my priorities are different. So it's just difficult to to imagine trying to recreate that in this environment. I'm not even sure I would know where to begin. And again, it's a young man's game. I would, I would ask that of someone who's 22 (laughs) who thinks they've got it all figured out. I'll read them. I just said to somebody the other day, I need a Matt Cerrone. <laughs> like I need somebody to do what I was doing so that I can know what the hell's going on with the Mets. Like that's the deal. You know, it's weird, but that's the truth. Yeah, no, I, uh, uh, it strikes me just l- last thing I'd say is just, you know, we dealt with comment sections and we dealt with, but, but really ultimately sort of curating our own little circuses, uh, you know, of, of people that, and, and, you know, you'd be connected to two or three others that would sort of form the foundation. I remember with USC sports blogs, we had the sort of same thing going and that just moved to Twitter, right. That just moved uh, and, and moved to other places that, Hey, people would be ripping off part of your video to put it into their Instagram video. And you just, we became in some ways got commoditized um, oh, as, yeah. in a it commoditized in a, 
like bustling market, right? Like in a, one of those kind of that you imagine in some place in Southeast Asia, where it's just like a humdrum of activity that's sort of daunting. <laughs> and it would like it or not, your, your stuff just got pulled into that and, and whatever sort of subset of audience, I, you know, I, that feels like part of this is, and maybe it's, maybe it's not about ownership. Maybe it is about building a community, but it's different when it's a few people sharing a few houses on a block to, you know, this, you know, massive sort of sprawling uh, urban landscape of opinion. We're, we're all, let me just, I'll make one last point, which is kind of contradictory. I, I think where it can be replicated and what hasn't changed and probably what has never changed and never will is that all of it is born out of, at least I think, in, individually as an individual, somebody who's starting their own thing as an individual, like any idea, like any invention, you're scratching your own itch. That's what, ha- that's what is, won't, and will never change. For me, Met's blog was about, man, there's a lot of stuff going on. Like, let me learn all of this, and maybe other people are interested too, so I'll just I'll let them in on it. Like, I wasn't doing it because I thought people wanted it. I was doing it because I wanted it, and people just happened to read it. Um, and I feel like, you know, you, inventions are the same way, right? Like <laughs> watch Shark Tank. It's because they had a problem and they solved it. And now other people want to buy it. Like that's always, always the case. So like if that would, I guess, be the advice is like, be true to what your interests are. Don't worry about the money yet. Don't worry about the technology. Just do what you want to do for you. What, what informs you and scratches your itch informationally. And then if people are reading or watching or whatever it is, you go, you know? So I guess in that sense, it could be started. I don't want to do it, (laughs) but, you know, maybe, but I mean, either way, I think that's sort of the beacon. Well, Matt, uh, appreciate you coming on and appreciate your friendship really over the last, uh, you know, decade plus, because as you mentioned, I mean, we've gotten together, we've, I don't want to say we've, uh, collaborated we more like banged our heads against <laughs> banged our yeah. heads against the wall together <laughs> i feel um but also you know thank you for for your as kyle mentioned your candor today and i really i really think you're gonna find that you, you have like a lot of guys that are just nodding their heads and agreeing like yeah uh, we've been there and, and done that and this year could could go either way right it was either eye-opening or you could have just kept digging into a hole so i'm glad you've you've come out of that hole you're coming out on the other side and um, I think you have something to offer. I think you have value perspective. And I try to look at that too, saying, yeah, I don't understand this, but I understand this part of it. And we need to connect those dots. And I think guys like you can help, you know, companies, help teams, help individuals kind of connect those dots in, in a lot of different places. And uh, yeah, I just don't know how. Maybe for the path, right? You know, you've yeah, got right? you know, things looking up. Good time to get back in, you know? Well, but, that's the thing. That's what I mean. I was like, oh, wait a minute you know, bull ponds are gone. This new guy's coming in this whole new experience. And then like, I tried it and I was like, man, I don't know what the hell. Well, I'll say Matt, one <laughs> thing that always seems to resonate, you'll always drop it here or there on one of your social channels. Like, man, I really miss covering the Mets or I really miss I talking to David. Right. Right. You'll hear this. So hearing this other side of like, yeah, but that's what got me into this trouble to begin with. And then I, I was checking out some of the new video that you talked about. And it's funny because you're talking about, well, you know, we could do X, Y, and Z. And then, uh, well, Robinson Cano, uh, well, that changes a lot of things. So forget everything that I talked about yesterday, but like, here right. we go. And almost like that night, naivety and also that like, <laughs> that like self-acknowledgement of, you know what, like, I'm not perfect. Like, let's just, let's just talk Mets. Like it was really yeah. refreshing because you see, it would seem like that old Matt where you were kind of happy to be talking about it again. Yeah. Well, and it is fun. I enjoy it. I just don't know enough. And that's why I like, I feel like it's an amalgamation of all these things. So maybe I'll keep going. And this has helped actually. So I appreciate it. It's kind of like fired up the neurons a little. So, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll see what happens, but I appreciate it. And this, what you guys are doing is awesome too, because it's fun to kind of go back and play through all these, play through the hits. Thanks. Well, thanks for coming along for the ride on it. And um, like, like Don said, I mean, just sharing so much and, and, you know, I think, it is a, a new era and there's probably a lot of people out there that are going to be jumping on a Mets bandwagon. So, you know, you can kind of help onboard them slash make sure that they understand what longtime Mets fans have gone through to get to a place of uh, brighter days. So um, that's true. That's true. seriously, thank you for, for taking so much time and, and here during the holidays and everything. Hope you can get some quality, quality downtime and all with the family uh, during this. You season. guys too. You guys too. 
with that, Matt, Kyle, uh, this has been the OGs. I'm Don. We will see you next week. We're going to stay on schedule, Kyle, right? Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for doing it, guys. And uh, everybody have a good holiday. We'll talk soon.